Hey everybody, it's James here. Hope you had a great week. The podcast this week is going to be a little different than normal because on Wednesday of last week, we sat down with the CEO of Boomtown, Greer Allen, and hundreds of other aspiring agents to share our story about how we got started in the business. People don't actually know this, but Dave and I didn't have any contacts when we came here from the UK. We literally rolled up our sleeves and door knocked our way to selling over three billion of business. We've been getting lots of emails and messages about how we generate leads, follow up with clients and stay positive with the news. And this webinar, I think, is incredibly valuable to every agent. And we know that you guys are going to enjoy it. It's wild to look back at all of these stories and we cannot wait for you guys to hear it. With that being said, let's get right into it. We've got a couple of awesome guests on with us today. Uh, David Parnes and James Harris, both of uh, Million Dollar Listing fame and uh, and with the Bond Collective uh, in the at the agency in, in Los Angeles. And they have just such an awesome story to tell about uh, about how they got into real estate and what they've been able to do since then. So first of all, James, David, welcome. Thank you, Thank guys. Thank you Thanks so much. Me. Thank you for having us, Graham. It's good uh, good to be here. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Well, uh, well, guys, I'm excited to jump into this, and uh, and you know, um, we've gotten to meet before in New York uh, briefly, uh, but but really haven't been able to sit down and have a, a, a deep conversation about your history in real estate. I'm always fascinated by you know people that achieve such high level of success in this industry, and I think a lot of people don't realize what it takes uh, to really get to where you all are today. And so what I'd love to start with is just getting a little bit of background on how, how you got into real estate, because I think that's pretty fascinating too. But you know, what was life before real estate like for you? And I guess we'll start with James. Yeah, I mean, it depends how far back you, you want to go. Um, I got into real estate when I was 21 uh, in Los Angeles, but I really got into real estate when I was just turning 16. I was someone that hated school. Um, I was thrown out of just about every school I sadly ever went to. Um, I struggled with ADHD really severely as a child and academics just didn't interest me. It didn't excite me. I didn't want to be in a classroom. I wanted to be out selling. I wanted to be around people. I wanted to get out there in the real world and so literally at the legal age of 16 when i left school was when i got my very first real estate job as an assistant in london and it was at that point that i made teas and coffees and got keys cut and put the mail through the machine and as i was doing all of that i was learning the real estate industry um, and long and behold i did residential for two and a half years in a family run business in Northwest London, and then got approached by the owner of the company to then go and do commercial real estate, which I then did for another two and a half years. Um, and I really got a great insight to the overall market. And that was where I found my calling. It was working with people, negotiating deals in a business that is forever changing. Um, and you're forever learning. And that to me is really exciting. Um, and then age 21, I didn't get to do what my friends did, which was when you finish school before you go to university in the UK, you do a gap year, you go backpacking, you go traveling. I never got to do any of that because I went straight to work. So after five years, I said to my boss at the time, I'm taking a three month sabbatical, I'm going to LA. Um, and he was like, promise you'll come back. And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and that was literally 19 years ago, uh, almost to the day, actually about 18 and a half years. Um, and then we'll get into how the real estate career started here. Um, and I'll, I'll pass it over to David. But yeah, it's been a, a very wild journey and a, a, a wild journey of learning as well. Yeah, no, also, I'm from London, too, in case you guys didn't notice. Um, and I, it was slightly different for me in that I did, you know, I finished school, I went to university, I didn't really um, study that much university. I don't think many people do, because uh, there's a lot of partying and going back, I actually went to Manchester University up north. So I was literally going back and forth every weekend. 
Um, and when I was there, I've always been quite entrepreneurial. So I was uh, I set up a business with my uh, friend who was also my roommate. Um, and we actually, um, because everyone as a student is broke, it's it's very, very difficult, right? You're, my student loan went on poker in like, you know, one day. So you have to try and, you know, make it work. Cause it's not just about like learning, you've got to also survive. Um, so we actually set up a company called uh, essaysforstudents.com. And what we did is we sold, um, we, we basically hired a lot of um, graduates, postgraduates to actually make research papers and, and, and dissertations that uh, we would sell um, on a retail platform to students so that they could use it as a culmination of research, um, which I'm a big proponent of. That's how I got through university. I'd find a way to learn the right research off by heart and I'd literally regurgitate it in, in, um, in, in exams. But the point is, being entrepreneurial, I, I always wanted to work for myself in some capacity. So from there, I went to work for a hedge fund, which was not for myself, and I lasted a year there. Um, before I went off to um, buy commercial real estate for um, an investor. And uh, that was probably one of the biggest lessons of my life. It's, it, I guess it taught me not to run before you can walk and you're not gonna get rich quick. Um, it's a journey, it's a process. Um, and I think the timing was perfect in retrospect. At the time, I didn't think it was because the credit crisis happened. So that really impacted what we were doing. And we ended up, you know, in foreclosure, giving assets back to the banks and an unprecedented level. We weren't the only people doing it. Everyone was at that time. But it taught me a really big lesson. Not only did I learn about how finance works, uh, but I actually put myself on the front lines um, in actually purchasing real estate um, and really experiencing what could go wrong to the highest level. So with that in mind, I've always been more cautious in my approach and more patient since then. Um, and coming from there, uh, I moved to LA in 2009 and uh, we set up our business uh, a few years later. That's so interesting. You, can, you, you can tell who's the academic one out of the two of us. I'm actually not. I'm I'm not academic, but I'm very good at finding a system that gets you through certain situations. That I'm a problem solver, I guess. And then you know what else I was thinking is David's business at university doing essay dissertations, and now you think of Chat GPT. That business would have been for nothing. <laughs> uh today because yeah, now you just simply ask the question to chat bt chat gpt and you get a, a full dissertation which is scary in itself but anyhow back to you Graham. It is. That's, yeah no that's interesting i mean y'all's backgrounds sound a lot familiar to mine I mean, you know you know just with you know adhd and and not really being a good student i did graduate from college uh, but it was always a challenge, you know, it was, it was, you know, I hated sitting through a class. I just, I never could. And, um, and, you know, I'd find the classes that, that didn't have the mandatory attendance policy just for that very reason. I'd rather just read the book and, and try to figure it out on my own than sit and, and listen to a lecture. So, um, so I can, I can relate to both of y'all in that regard. But, uh, so both of you moved to LA, um, about the same time. Did y'all know each other before moving? Over yes. From day one. Yeah. Through, our mums were best friends. So we grew up together. Oh, awesome. Always live to regret this when I said I'm the older one. I think the time has come whereby I don't want to be <laughs> the one anymore. Um, but yes, we've known each other from day one. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's um that's interesting. And you know, the other the other my my best friend, my brother, um, who lives directly across the street from me here, um, is the one that got into real estate first and actually my dad you know was before him but uh but that's where i kind of learned through osmosis this industry as well and uh and really built boomtown around solving the problems that that they had um at the time when they were you know when my brother was trying to grow his business you know right on right on the backs of the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. so really interesting so so you get to la and y'all are you know starting a new real estate business i mean was it immediate that y'all went in and got into the luxury segment of the market i think a lot of agents out there are thinking you know how you know how do you break into the luxury market i mean is that was that a target for you guys like right out of the gate i don't think it was so much that we were we, we listen we were on a mission right so for me personally it was like there's there's a lot of successful agents out there you've got 
uh, especially in LA, that we were looking at. Kurt Rappaport's, Jade Mills, Mauricio Yamansky's, Drew Fenton's. For, for me, it was like, listen, if these guys can do it and they've proven it's possible, we're not reinventing the wheel. Frankly, we're, we're not Elon Musk, okay? We are real estate agents and there's some humility in saying that. But the truth is, it's a formula and it's proven. And the only reason that we wouldn't be able to make it um, is if we were going to give up, which we're never going to give up, if we uh, did something wrong, but of course, we're going to do something wrong all the time and we can fix that. We can learn from our mistakes um, and, and be consistent because people say, how do you do what you do? How do you get to the top? There's no magic wand that you wave. The formula is the same for everyone. You know, go back to basics, sit open houses, put yourself out there, learn your market, network, and learn how to do the deals and, and make mistakes on the way. And as long as you're consistent and you work harder than everyone else, you're going to get to the top. And, and as far as the high end, how we approach that, I'll let James tell you. Um, but it was kind of inadvertent. It wasn't the most intentional plan. Yeah, I agree with David, except I do think we did always. I, I think we always had a plan. I mean, it was always that we wanted to be in the luxury market. I think just being in Los Angeles, you're surrounded by luxury. But I do think for us we learned very early on and this goes for anybody listening right now if i can sell a five hundred thousand dollar house i can sell a five million dollar house if i can sell a five million dollar house i can sell a 50 million dollar house and in everybody's respective markets everything is relative i think what happens with so many of us in this business and i do talk about this all the time is fear it stands in the way of our success. It's like we're super comfortable selling a $500,000 house, but we're super uncomfortable selling a $5 million house. But the reality in those two transactions is they're exactly the same, except with a $5 million transaction, you're making a hell of a lot more money. But again, if you can understand what fear really is and get in front of it and understand that fear um, is and, and I say it again all the time, false evidence appearing real. And instead of letting a fear get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that you can't get in front of it, instead you diminish that fear and make it so small and you just go for it and you step in front of it and you go for what you want, anything is achievable. Um, and when we started, which is a big part of our story, which was door knocking, um, you know, we weren't door knocking five, six, $700,000 homes. We were door knocking five, 10, 15, 20, $50 million homes. And then people would say to us, well, how, how do you door knock a $50 million home? They're behind gates. Yeah, but the gate has a buzzer. The buzzer rings to the house. Someone has to answer the buzzer. And it's like, it, it's, it's all in our heads. If we think things over too much, We'll talk ourselves out of doing things. If we just go for it and we just don't really think about it, except thinking of what can come of it and the success that can come out of it, we'll be amazed by our achievements. And one of our very first deals, I was actually with the real estate agent just yesterday and she brought it up. One of our very first deals was a door knock in Bel Air. We quite literally door knocked a 30,000 square foot lot. There was a big gate. We rung the buzzer. Somebody came to the top of the driveway. She said, we're not interested in selling. We had our same pitch that we said over and over and over again. We sold her on taking our business card. And two days later, a real estate agent called us and said, hey, my client sadly passed away. We're selling. It's six and a half million. It's non-negotiable. We said, great. We went to our one client that was a developer. We sold him on the location. Long story short, he bought the house for six and a half million. He then took nine years building that house and we sold it last year for 38 million. <laughs> and now a lot of our business is coming back from a lot of those listings that we originally sold as dirt that we've maintained those relationships. And now we're getting those listings on the back end. But I guess if we didn't have the courage to go out and do what we did day one, I don't think we'd be in the position that we're in now. Having said that, we've got a long way to go. And I think in this business, humility is the key and understanding that you will always continue to grow if you allow yourself to. If you think you've hit the top or you think you're the best or you think you're better than everyone else, that for me is the end. You've always got to be open and receptive to learning and listening and being open to growth. 
And so whilst we're extremely grateful uh, to be where we are today, I think we both realize we've still got a, a long way to go from here. That's a that's a fantastic point. And, you know, I think, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, just, you know, it's it's a lot of people, you know, have this perception that you can be this overnight success story in real estate. And it's just not the truth. I mean, you've got to put in the time, you've got to put in the energy and you got to put in, you know, you know, more hours. I mean, you know, everybody in this industry is an entrepreneur, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons why I love this industry is that is that we're serving entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs have to work their tails off, you know, to That's get right. their business off the ground. And, you know, oftentimes it's, it's through, you know, you know, slogging it out for a while on nothing, you know, how long, you know, tell me about the early days in terms of, you know, how long did it take you guys to really get traction in your business and what was it like living, you know, you know, kind of in those, in those times um, financially, just personally. Yeah, there's a lot of responsibility because effectively you work, like you said, you work for yourself from day one, right? You have to write your own paycheck, which is which is something that we had to transition into. So we were trading commodities, um, you know, as a means to an end, and we gradually, um, you know, got, got our website together, got our licenses, and gradually started going for it. But actually, in retrospect, it happened pretty quickly because we just hit the ground running. We were that eager, like, and it was such a good feeling. It was so liberating. To, to, to get into this market that, that's so glorified, right? In in London, for but example. But it took us six, seven months, Dave, to close our first deal. It yeah, did, I it, remember. And the excitement, well, actually it was a house that I built, wasn't it? That was 2012, it was the end of 2012. So I built a house with my sister and actually James's mom was the interior designer on it. And um, that was going on um, and that was our first listing and we put our signs out everywhere and we shot in it. James sent me the video the other month actually, it was hilarious. These videos, he's never seen anything like um, and, and And we really used that as a platform as well uh, along with the door knocking to get our brand out there because it's very powerful. You know, as, as a realtor, if you get a listing, you can it's your time to shine that's your it's your platform to get your name out there and market yourself whether it's e-blasts whether it's postcards whether it's the open houses and you're putting signs everywhere you're taking out ads you have a listing people are seeing you you're actually introducing yourself to the world effectively that was so exciting it was like that fuel there was incredible and someone told me success is like drinking salt water the more you drink the more thirsty you get right and when you get that first <laughs> sip you close that first deal you get that first sip i don't know about you guys but i'm addicted right that's it and you just want more and more and it makes you hungrier and i think it goes back to the fact that yeah you never get to the top there's always going to be someone that's doing better than you or someone that's doing something different and what i've noticed especially just being a realtor it's not just about selling real estate whether you're representing a seller or, or a buyer that's not what it's about it is obviously about closing the deals and building your business but from that there's so many opportunities that come up whether it's development whether it's setting up ancillary businesses other businesses linked to real estate for me personally i'm always looking around at opportunities and typically working on four or five different projects at a time in conjunction with selling real estate because they're kind of intertwined with the project. So the sky is the limit and that's what keeps me going. There's just so, there's so far to go. There's so much to do. I love that. I love that. Um, how about, how about, you know, is there, was there anybody that you guys you know, worked with that guided you, you know, in the early stages of your career? Um, you know, anybody that you turned to as a coaching mentor, anything like that, or did y'all just kind of have, you know, the the experience, you know, James, your experience from working in, you know, estate sales over over in London, you know, what was it? Who did you turn to, you know, to, to kind of help you through those early stages? Yeah, I think real estate is such an incredible industry. And, I, and I'll tell you why and why I'm getting to this. It's such a simple business that people love to complicate, right? So you talk about mentors, people that I looked up to, people that I watched, when we started in the industry, I remember the first days of building out our website. And when I first got started in this industry, I got into this industry when my wife was literally seven months pregnant with our second child. And I came home one day, I was like, honey, I quit my job. I'm gonna get into real estate. <laughs> and she said to me, 
are you crazy? And we're having another baby in a month. And I was like, yes, but I have to do this. We have to do this. And we were passionate. We were, we were ready to go. And we were, we were thirsty, like David said, to, to be successful. But I remember studying every major real estate agent in our market. I remember learning what they did inside out, back to front. I remember researching agents in Miami, the Jills. I still remember it to this day, looking at their website, what they did, their branding, going to the bottom, looking who built their website, going to them, calling them, looking at the Mauricio Umanskis of the world, the founder of the agency, someone that I wanted to be like, someone I wanted to emulate, Santiago Arana, someone that had been in the business 15 years, someone that I looked up to people that were in the high-end industry, talking to them, understanding and tirelessly taking in that information and saying, right, what are they doing? How did they do it? And then retaining all of that information. And the key to all of this is taking all of the things those people do and then doing it my way, right? I can't be like that person. That person can't be like me, but we can learn from each other. And I'm always out there looking for the similarities, not the differences in people. And I will pick and choose from successful people what I like, how they did it, the way they did it. But then I'll put it into my words, my way and do it differently. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a variety. There's still a variety of people that I look up to that I look at. They don't even know I'm watching what they're doing, but I'm watching them from afar. And then I'm doing it my unique way that separates me from them and from everybody else. And I think that so many people say, how did you do it? What did you do? We can share that story, but you have to do it your way. And in a business where you do write your own paycheck, you do create your own success, your biggest competition should be yourself. And I know that for me, my biggest competition is always going to be myself. I always want to get better. I always want to improve. I always want to get to the next step. And the moment that I become comfortable in my career, in my life, is the moment that I shake myself and get uncomfortable. Because the only way you can grow and break through barriers and become more successful is by being uncomfortable. And so I'm permanently looking at ways that I can shake myself up, improve, get better, and, and, and get to new levels. And I can speak for David and say, he's the same, our other partners are the same, because we all strive for success and, and to be better. Um, and I think you really need to have that in this business to continue climbing to the top. You need to have that passion, you need to have that excitement, that energy to be successful. If you have that in you and you're willing to go 110%, there's no reason all of us can't get to the top in our respective markets. That's just my personal opinion. I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, would say, you know, would go out there and, and you know, I don't know how many doors, how many doors did y'all knock on a day in the early Ooh, days? It wasn't a lot. Day. It was a lot because you have to make a list. The whole thing is you're going to get out of probably 20 houses, you're going to get probably 15, don't 20, even ask. 120, 120. No, but out of, out, I'm just taking an arbitrary number, right? So probably 15 won't answer the door. They won't be home or they won't answer the door. Five of them, out of the last five, they'll, three of them will probably tell you to get lost. And you might have two good conversations out of 20 door knocks, right? So the consistency is really important because you've got to make a note of the response for every single address. I remember I was walking up and down Blue Jay Way in the Bird Streets, which is one of the, one of the beautiful view streets where houses were selling for like teardowns for six million up to like, you know, 20 million back then. And it was just, it was, first it was a dream because I love real estate. So just to see these houses. And then when you get your foot in the door, it's like, bam, it's like, even before you've even got the listing, before you've even done it, just the, the fact that you can learn and, and get into a house of that magnitude, that's that's the excitement. But but you've just got to keep going. And it's not even about just say you door knock 150 houses and you have, you know, five or eight good conversations, which is an incredible, you know, uh, achievement. You've got to keep on top of those. And then you've got to keep following up with the other ones. And then the more you door knock, the more it builds up. So it, it becomes like you've got to really dedicate yourself to it. But just just coming on from that point, people say, and I'm not saying this to blag in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, we have over one and a half billion dollars of listings right now. And a lot of them are under construction right now. And, and what actually happened, we didn't really 
completely touch on that, is that from these door knocks, right, we would sell a lot of teardowns. That's what we concentrated on because we didn't have a track record. It's like chicken and egg. How do you get a track record if you don't have any listings? Or how do you get listings if you don't have a track record? That was the biggest dilemma. And I think it is right. for any realtor, any new realtor out there. So we worked out that if we if we go up to a developer and we offer them a good deal, they're going to buy the deal, right? They don't really care how many deals we've done before. If the deal makes sense for them, I mean, they're developers, that's what they do, they're going to buy it. And if we do a good job and we, 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 we stay involved and nurture that relationship, they'll probably give us the listing on the back end. And, and from selling $6 million teardowns to $10 million teardowns to $20 million teardowns that we're even JVing on, we're building with our clients these days, right? Which could be 150, 200 million dollar houses, which is absurd. This is why it is kind of crazy. I wasn't expecting it to get to that. Again, you know, it, it's an amazing situation to be in, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, you build up this inventory because your $6 million teardown has become a $35 million listing. Your $10 million teardown could be a $50, $60 million listing. Your $20 million teardown could be a $100 million listing. And suddenly you've got all these listings, right, that are under construction and this beautiful pipeline of business, right, that, that just mounts up. And, and that literally was from door knocking with no track record and selling teardowns to developers. That's it. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've seen the same thing transpire with, with my brother's business. You know, he would sell a house to, you know, somebody moving into town, $5 million home. You know, maybe they, you know, decide to get a divorce and he sells a house to each one of them. And then they tell their friends and all that kind of stuff. And and one one opportunity can turn into so many new opportunities down the road. And it doesn't and, happen. Uh, like one, and, it doesn't happen like overnight. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, we can look back after 10 years and and this is what's accumulated it's kind of like a compounding savings right. account if you think about it it's like you know warren right. buffett for example they'll talk about compounding it starts small and you keep saving and you let it compound with the interest and it just you know snowballs if you do it right and that's where the consistency the hard work really pays off in retrospect when you look back over a long period of time and after a long period of time it accumulates very slowly but very quickly when you look back on it do you know what i mean that's basically my experience with it all it's kind of wild absolutely what would you say to those folks that you know they're listening they're like man i tried door knocking I, I sucked at it or I had, you know, you know, this, you know, this one experience with this one person where they just shut me out and, and just told me I was terrible for even, you know, doing it. You know, what can you say to them? You know, what, what advice can you give them? Is there any time that y'all had some experience like that, you know, when you were door knocking uh, where somebody just, you know, kind of shut the door in your face? I mean, what, what can you tell them? We have had every experience you can ever imagine with door knocking and more. Listen, this entire business can be made very simple, okay? This entire business is pipeline, okay? No matter what way you look at it, anybody that works on our team knows I am passionate about pipeline. I'm obsessive about pipeline because the bigger your pipeline, the more likelihood you have of closing a deal. The bigger the pipeline, the bigger likelihood you have of creating a relationship. So I don't care if it's door knocking or any other method of going out there to try and get business, you have to do it passionately, obsessively, over and over and over again, and you have to be consistent. So if you're gonna go door knocking, you better make sure you're doing it three times a week, four times a week. You better set yourself a target, 100 doors, 150 doors, 200 doors, and you're going to get a shitload of no's, but you need to change your mindset and your mentality. Instead of letting a no push you down, you have to sort of have the mindset of every time I hear the word no, I'm closer to a yes. So that when you hear that no, you're ready yep. to go knock the next door. When you hear the next no, you're ready to knock the next door because your mindset starts to shift. That every time I'm closer to a yes, every time I'm closer to a yes, and the hundred doors you knock, if you get 10 good positive signs, then you go and do it five times a week. Those 10 turn into 50. You have a spreadsheet, you follow up with those 50, you have a formula. And by the way, once you have 50 and turn that into 150, you're no longer following up with these people and selling. I think people think that they have to sell, sell, sell. You can simply call somebody up and be a wealth of information. Hey, 
I know you live on Main Street. I don't know if you remember. I knocked on your door last week, but I just wanted you to know the houses, the house two doors east of you just went into escrow for 700,000, which is $300 a foot. That puts your house at Y. Just be informational. Just letting you know the other house three blocks down is coming on the market in two weeks. People want to know what's happening in their area. As a default, if you stay front and center and your follow-up is consistent and you're on top of it, then you'll be surprised by the results. If that person that you door knocked told you, hey, I'm not interested in selling, but now you followed up with them three, four times over the next 45, 60 day time period, they might be at a dinner. Their friend might want to sell. Their cousin might want to sell. They might get divorced right. in a year. You don't know, but you're going to get a call at some point that says, hey, really appreciate you following up. I've got this person. They're thinking of selling. Will you give them a call? And that's the way this business works. You don't need to always be selling, selling, selling. You can be a wealth of information, help these people, make sure your follow-up is consistent, and you will be blown away by the results that, that come from it. But no matter what you do, whether it's calling expireds, whether it's door knocking, whether it's sending mailers out, whether it's Instagram, whether it's reels, I don't care what it is. If you're only going to do it once and say, oh, I didn't really like that, nothing happened, nothing's going to happen. But if you do it consistently, religiously, obsessively over and over and over again, you will be blown away by the results and you will be blown away by what comes back. Guaranteed. I love that. I mean, that's a great takeaway is just being consistent in terms of, you know, selecting, a, you know, a strategy or a tactic and just, and just, and just nailing it. You know, um, what are the other things that have helped you guys? Isn't for everyone, right? It's, it's not for right. everyone. Don't yeah. go and do it if it's not for you, right? Just because you've, you've heard it works. If it's not your personality, don't go out and do it. If it's not going to feel authentic, don't go out and do it, but find something that's authentic to you. But it works. Certainly. What are the what are some of the other things that you guys have seen you know work for you as you've as you've grown the business and and this could be something with technology um, you know anything really um, that you guys have seen that have been sort of those those moments in time that are those inflection points in growing your business um, from a growth standpoint. I think I think technology is hugely important. We could we'll, we'll get to that. Just as far as one thing, I just want to speak about and add um, to any newer agents out there. Um, is no two agents are the same, right? We can try and align ourselves with certain people. We can look up to certain people, but everyone has their, and Mauricio says, everyone has their own movie. Everyone has their own personality, their own um, uh, qualities and strengths, right? And you can get two very successful agents um, that are completely different, but they're both very successful. They do it a little bit differently. It's the same formula. They're selling houses. They're doing what they do, but they come from different different places, right? Mindsets, um, um, different set of qualities. So you know, look look for that. You know, everyone's different. Some people will be all about you know working with families and networking and 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 really you know farming an area, which is great. Some people will work with developers, right? I personally like working with developers because I build houses myself. I love real estate. I love the whole design process, putting it together over the years, right? So, so I think you've got to be passionate about what you do um, and your biggest growth, the biggest opportunities for growth in your business and, and in your, in, within yourself is really honing in to what you're really passionate about and then applying that to your core business and, and and where that can take you if you're passionate about it and you're true to yourself i can't even begin to tell you it's exponential it really really is because it's coming from truth it's coming from a genuine interest and passion um so for me personally just the biggest milestones and biggest business growths were were honing in and tapping in to what i really love which is the development and the real estate and and the passion i have for the design and the architecture and how you put it together so yeah hone into what your unique selling point is your quality nice james anything to add on that no i guess just back to your question with regard to alternative methods of sort of generating business so to speak you know yes the tech platforms are so strong today i think you know the obvious ones are instagram and tiktok and facebook and i think that goes back to being consistent understanding your message putting out what you want to get back 
if you're going to do it, do it on a consistent basis over and over and over. Don't be like, hey, it's the new year and I'm going to shoot videos and I'm going to do it and it's going to be great. And then it gets to like the end of January and you're like, well, fuck the videos. That didn't work. No, you have to do it over and over and over and over again. For David and I, we often don't necessarily do Instagram. Like that's not necessarily my thing. My thing is more being out there, being in the right place at the right time, going to events, networking, meeting people. And when I'm meeting people, I'm not meeting people with the intention of what can you do for me? I'm meeting people to build relationships, to listen, to learn what turns in from that. Michael Rubin, he owns Fanatics. If you don't know who this guy is, he posted a video last night. I actually screen recorded it. Go watch it. It's amazing. When you're in the room and you're out and you're networking, if you're out there with like a business card in your pocket and you're like, here, that's not the way to build contacts, in my opinion. I think you need to be out to just listen, meet people, learn from people and build relationships. And organically, you'll be so surprised at what comes back. Dave and I have sent newsletters um, every month for years and years and years. You don't necessarily get the call of like, hey, I'm ready to list my house, but it's the repetition of people seeing your name, seeing it over and over and over again. We send out digital newsletters to our book of business, our sphere of influence, incredibly helpful. People see our names over and over again. You don't know who they're gonna forward that to. Whether your kids at school, getting in with the school, whether you're Christian and go to church or Jewish and go to synagogue, whether your kids in a soccer, it doesn't matter. As real estate agents, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. A, a, an agent on our team just went to an event last week. It was at an art gallery. I couldn't be bothered to go. He went, he met three people that evening that all want to either sell or buy real estate. We're in this unbelievable business that we are permanently out there selling ourselves because everybody needs a home to live. Everybody needs a roof over their head. So I think for me, the most important thing is being in the right place at the right time and not going out to sell, but going out to learn, meet people and, and see what comes back. Again, you have to do it consistently, religiously, passionately, obsessively, no matter what it is, over and over and over again. And I say this on repeat because that's really the key to success in this business. So let's talk about those conversations that you're having, James or David, with uh, with folks out there that you're meeting at different places or reconnecting with. You know, how important is it to understand your market in those conversations? Let's see, that, that's Everything. the thing. It's like everything's there however you want to approach it, whether you do go to an art gallery, whether you go to a restaurant, whether you go to a bar, a club, whether you just go to an event, right? That That's that's one way of networking. But then don't forget, you can walk neighborhoods and look at all the construction sites. There are developers standing. Countless opportunity. Sites sitting there. So it really just is subjective to where you are. If you're going to talk about development and you're going to talk about networking on construction sites, which is amazing, basically, then you want something to offer to the developer. And the more you learn about it, you know, I, I can walk onto a construction site, um, you know, and look at the plans and, you know, ask them what they're building. Do they have renderings? Look at the floor plan and give them some tips. If you can help a developer, you know, who may be making a mistake or maybe not, right? But if you can offer them something from, 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 from a perspective of doing this all day and knowing what the trends are and knowing what people want to buy, right. Knowing if they want an open floor plan or a compartmentalized floor plan, knowing what types of doors and windows to use. Is the pool big enough? Is it situated okay? They'll never forget you for that. And what I've noticed is you can walk onto a construction site, right, and give some good advice to a developer. And then they're chasing you after that. It's the most bizarre thing. If you give them good advice, they're going to call you for every single big decision they make because they want to make sure it's right. And I personally got a ton of business that way. And again, that's just another form of networking. You're just doing it in construction sites versus, you know, a bar or a club or an event, which also are amazing as well. I, I will tell you, I think that the single handed most important thing about this entire industry is information, right? Information is key. Being a master at your craft is key. Knowing your market inside out, back to front is key. I think if you're going to take a Saturday or Sunday and do an open house, for example, and you're going to give away three hours of your day that's away from your spouse, away from your children, away from your friends, you better show up to that open house 
ready for action. You better give every second of your time to being able to answer every single question, to answer every single feature about that property, to know about three off-market properties that are within a one-mile radius of that house. You better know what's in escrow within a one-mile radius of that house. You better know what's sold within a one-mile radius of that house because every single person that comes through that open house is a lead that you paid zero dollars to have the opportunity to be in front of. So if you're gonna show up, you better show up ready to answer questions. Somebody comes into the open house, they walk around, you don't wanna be on top of them and driving them mad like that annoying salesperson, but you wanna say to them, hey, what did you think? Do you like the property? Well, it's not really for me. Hey, that's absolutely fine. Look, I do know of these two houses on 123 Main Street. They're around 1,500 square feet. Similar style, a little bit different. They're priced at X. That price per square foot's Y. Nobody knows about them. They are off market. Would love to show them to you at some point. Hey, leave your name and number here. I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to shoot you the information. Boom. Not do you have an agent. They're always going to say yes. You've got to just be of value. You've got to provide information to these people so that they see the value in working with you. We're only as good as the information that we have at our fingertips. So be relentless in learning your market inside out, back to front, so that when you're at the art gallery or you're at school or you're at that football game, people start to know you as the real estate guy, the real estate girl. Now you want to be a book of information. You want to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. You can't do that when you're half-baked. You can't do that when you only know 20% of your market. You really need to know 100%. And then I'll end it with this. If you're in that open house and somebody asks you a question, for one or another reason, you don't know the answer. Don't make up an answer. You know, I remember early on in my career just talking absolute shit because I felt like I had to answer every question. I'd rather say to somebody, hey, I don't know, let me get back to you. Or, hey, I'm not entirely sure, let me check with the seller. Buyers prefer truth and honesty than being told a lie or the wrong answer and then it coming back to bite you later. So learn your market. But if you do get caught off guard, I don't know I'll come back to you. But I think information in this business, when there's so much competition, there's so many real estate agents, you have to separate yourself from everybody else. So learn your market, get obsessed with it and, and be that wealth of information to your clients. I love that. Well, two, two, two takeaways so far for me, you know, you, you've got to know your market inside and out. You've got to know it better than, than the consumer because, you know, not only is technology changing the game for agents and, and the way that they're running their businesses, but also the consumer. You know, the consumer right. is so educated and it's and they're only going to get more and more educated on what the industry, you know, what's in the industry. You have to be able to provide something more. You know, that off-market listings was a great example. And, and another thing that I hear you know, just coming resoundingly out from every single answer that James and David give here, both of y'all uh, just come from this place of abundance that, you know, that gets me fired up, man. I mean, it really does. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear that, especially in a market like we're in right now. Before I forget, y'all, we've got, you know, we're going to have time for some Q&A. After we wrap up, I've only got a couple more questions for them, but I want, I want, uh, you know, the 200 folks on here to be able to have a chance to, to ask some questions of your own. Um, but, you know, one of the questions I have y'all is, is, you know, we're going through a transition, right? We're in a transition period and, and this year looks a whole hell of a lot different than last year did. You know, what are the different strategies, kind of a two-part question here is, what are the different strategies that you're implementing right now in your business? Um, and what are you telling your agents and team members that work for you? There's, I mean, there's two sides to every transaction. You have the listing side and you have the buying side, right? If you're representing a buyer um, versus a listing, it's going to be a slightly different situation. But for me personally, um, we have a lot of listings, which we've, you know, generated and some of it was from pipeline over time. Um, but I'm being very, very blunt with the clients. I'm saying, listen, you don't want to be sitting here um, consistently price reducing your property. It's like if you're going to price, and I had this conversation yesterday, it was over a listing for $18 million. He was like, look, I want to get it sold now. I said, listen, if you want to get it sold now, you're not going to reduce it a million bucks at that level. It's all percentages, right? It's not going to make a huge difference, right? But 
if you're going to want to sell it and you're serious about it, you have to do a sizable price reduction. I'm talking about like 20%, right? If you want to shift it. And I've been having that conversation a lot with sellers right now to get them realistic because this market is not the same as last year or the year before. It's very, very different. So it is price sensitive. You can't have overpriced properties sitting on the market and expect people to be lowballing. People don't typically do that, right? So very, very much as, as far as the listing side goes, educate your sellers and give them a reality check. Let them know you're there for them. But it's 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 our fiduciary responsibility to be honest with them and not just tell them something that isn't the truth. From a buying perspective, you can get aggressive, but we're actually in a healthy market relative, right? So right now, although the market pricing is going down, right, for listings, because you're not pushing those boundaries to break records all the time, um, there's still very little inventory because a lot of people that are sitting on real estate right now are either all cash or they've got really, really good debt on it. They've got a really good mortgage. Why are they going to go and sell it? They're not going to be able to borrow at that rate on a 10-year IO or a 30-year amortizing fixed loan for a long time, if ever, right? So, so, so what that means is it, it's kind of good for buyers because you can tell them that there's not going to be that much competition in the market, right? So they'll be able to buy the property they, they'll want, whereas before you'd be competing with 30 different people. Um, but at the same time, um, if they see something they like, they should move on it because there isn't a lot of inventory. So it's kind of like whether you're dealing with a buyer or a seller, giving them the right advice is key because otherwise you're not going to navigate this correctly and your, your pipeline will shrivel up, your, 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 your business will go down unless you get ahead of it and work with sellers and the buyers accordingly. It's hugely important. Love that. And what about, you know, what about advice to agents? I mean, I think people are right now just feeling like they're just getting, you know, you know, just kicked in the face. You know, maybe they came into this industry, you know, three years ago. Um, and, you know, and it was kind of smooth sailing up to this point, right? Um, what are you know what advice would you give them in a market like this i always say I think, just oh, yeah. sorry i was just gonna say never give up that's the first thing never give up if you want to succeed in anything that goes for anything just put the motto there never give up sorry jim to interrupt carry on i think perception becomes reality for agents right i think if you walk around all day talking about all the negativity in the market and the rising interest rates and how you're not doing any business and how the market's changed and the glass is half empty and everything's crap and oh my God, what am I gonna do? Then that's the energy you're carrying out. I genuinely, genuinely believe that. If you wanna take the glasses half full mentality and put out there that, you know what? Everything's actually okay. The fact that interest rates were in the twos through COVID wasn't normal. There was no inventory. There were 15, 20 offers. And the fact that we're now in the fours and fives, that's more normal than what was then. And we're actually busy. I think you go out and you create your own success. Okay. I don't get up and get ready every day and walk out the front door with like, oh, the world's shit. We're in a recession. Interest rates are in the fives. What am I going to do? I go out every single day with a high level of positivity, confidence, and I go out and tell my clients, I don't even understand it, but we are slammed right now. We have 22 escrows, we're 104 million under contract. We just closed one for 12, we just closed one for 15, albeit it's true, and I know some people aren't necessarily going through that, but you have to go out and put out there what you wanna get back. You have to go out there and put the message out of what you wanna get back. And you have to go out there and create opportunity. You know, if you're representing a seller, for example, go in, tell the seller the reality of what's happening. Time is money. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to waste my time. If we're going to price the property, here's where we need to be. Tell them why we need to be there. Create value, create opportunity. If you're representing a buyer and they're in the fives, go out and tell them how they can go and buy an opportunity. The market's come down. This seller understands the market's come. Create the opportunity. Yes, you have to get a 5.5% interest rate. But two years from now, when inflation's been curbed and interest rates come back down, you're going to refinance. You're going to go into a 4%, 4.5% loan. You're going to have saved the money on what you... Like, just go out and breathe positivity and create opportunity. And again, I keep saying it, you'll be surprised by the results. I do it every day. It works. I love it. And, you know, the proof is in the fact that you all started door knocking with zero contacts back in 2009. I mean, that was a that was a that was a tough time to start a business. 
Zero very, contacts. Very and and the truth is we just weren't. And again, everybody has it in them. We weren't willing to give up. Failure wasn't an option. It just didn't exist. And we went out and we did what we had to do. And I will honestly say today, we still do what we need to do. If I could go door knocking five times a day, uh, five times a week, sorry, I would. There isn't time, but door knocking and open houses work. If you're an agent that's feeling a bit beaten up right now by the market, you can still door knock, you can still sit open houses, it still costs zero dollars. And if someone shows up to an open house on a Sunday, they're real because that means they've already accepted that interest rates are where they are and they're gonna buy. Go out and do those things over and over and over again and don't give up. Love it. All right, guys, I've got some questions from, from the audience here. So the first one's from Stephanie. Did it ever intimidate you that you, there were strong agents in a, in a certain area or geography of your market that really dominated that market? So, you know, was it ever intimidating to you guys in that no. regard? And, you know, no, kind of how did, how did you get the, over? That's the biggest gift ever. It goes back to the point whereby they are setting the benchmark. They are showing you what is possible and what you could possibly get involved in. For me personally, the super high-end market, like I say, the Kurt Rappaports, the Mauricio Yamanskis, the Jane Mills, these are the people I think about still, you know, and interact with and speak to. They've paved the way, and, and I hopefully will do the same for newer agents as well. For me, it wasn't intimidating. They just showed me what was possible and where you could possibly take this. So for that, I'm actually really, really grateful. Um, yeah, that's for me, that's huge. Probably one of the most important parts in getting where I want to be is looking up. I love it. I love it. All right, this one's from Steve. What's the main piece of advice you would give to continue to build my network and build my business, particularly on the listing side? I think we've talked, we've, we've hammered, we've hammered door knocking. <laughs> so if you didn't get that one yet, yeah, that one's, that one's a solid one. But I, I guess any other, any other advice that you would give? Yeah, I think if you're going to go after listings, focus on targeting listings, right? Don't put yourself out there for buyers. So again, if you're a listing agent, your social media needs to be more targeted towards listings. Your mailers need to be targeted towards listings. You can door knock to go and get listings. I would take pre-existing database and sphere of influence that you have, reach out to those people, be in front of those people and put out what you want to get back. And if that's a listing agent, then stay consistent with all of your marketing being targeted towards getting more listings. You know, don't go out there trying to get buyers if you're trying to get listings. Put out what you want to get back. Thank you. Thank you. Love. Said, thank you. Here's a question. You. <laughs> I just got given a, a nice coffee. That was very, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't even ask for it. There you go. <laughs> Here's a good question. So um, from Joanna. Totally agree about consistency, but you know, how long should you give something before realizing maybe it's not the right thing for me or I should keep pushing? Uh, I, I think it goes back to passion. Listen, I personally yes. never give up on anything, but it becomes a point whereby you've got to like what you do. You don't want to torture yourself for the rest of your life, right? So I think it's it's the combination of, it's. I guess it's the, no, not even combination. It's a trade-off of, of giving it your everything and enjoying the fruits of your labor at, at the end of it. So at least see it through. If you want to be a realtor, at least do a couple of deals and don't give up until you do that. Set that as your target. I'm going to do two deals before I make a decision whether this is for me or not. And at least you'll have a better idea at that point because you would have tasted that success. You would have you would have seen the transaction through. Otherwise, you haven't really got a basis to make a, a, a formulated to form formulate a, 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 the right decision, in my opinion. I are you I I think this person was asking if they door knock or a different strategy versus the the real estate business. Okay, fine. Apologies. I think it's you know I don't think you can put a timeline on it whether it's thirty days, sixty days, three months, six months. I think firstly, if you start something, it has to feel right to you. It has to feel organic to you. You know, I would say don't give up for six months, if it feels like it's something you're good at, I wouldn't give up for six months. I would try it and do it over and over and over and over and over again for six months. 
But like door knocking is the greatest example. It's just not for everybody. If you show up and you knock on someone's door and your energy's low and you're really struggling with your confidence, I would actually suggest trying to get outside of your comfort zone and doing it. But if it just doesn't feel right, don't do it. Find something else. But I think whatever you're going to do, whatever campaign you're going to start, whatever avenue you're going to do, I think it's really six months tirelessly over and over and over again. And if after six months, you really didn't get anything from it, then it's probably time to move to the next thing. And that goes for advertising, yep. whether it's your local magazine, your, your local website within your city, whatever it is, do it for six months because um, it has to be done over and over to see results. And again, it doesn't come, then you pivot and you think of the next thing. One thing I'd add to that is just, you know, just, you know, you, you got to immerse yourself. You got to really hone that skill set, right? And, and yeah. you know, this is something that I've okay. learned from watching, you know, watching teams grow into, you know, you know, largely the, the biggest teams in the nation um, after starting on Boomtown with, with nothing, you know, and, you know, versus some that, that fizzle out very quickly is, is, you know, they, figure out what to say, how to say it, mm -hmm. you know, when to call their leads and they don't give up and they set that tone for the rest of their team. And that's how yeah. they built the empires that they're sitting on top of today. And, and you really have to put yourself in it and immerse yourself in it and do it. And, and that breeds the success that you're looking for, you know, that's right. Um, you Absolutely. know, it doesn't have, it applies yeah. to things outside of just door knocking. For me, just in general, yeah, I, I think in life in general, but, you know, the reality is, you know, especially in our industry, it's a formula, right? You have an incredible product that you offer, Greer, right? And and, and that can really help people. Um, I, I find that um, because the formula is there, it works. All I mean, this is maybe this is just me. It's like if door knocking creates business, I'm going to door knock until I create get business. If, if, if using software generates business, I'm gonna learn that software until I get the business because it's proven. It's not, again, we're not Elon Musk. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're not right. you know, doing crazy stuff. We're basically selling real estate and sticking to a formula. So I don't know if it's just my mindset, but I typically, if something has proven itself with other people, I'm damn well not going to give up on it until it's proven it's until I've proven myself to it and it's proven my, itself to me. That's just mm -hmm. the way I am, and I think that mentality is 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 what separates people that do actually achieve from people who don't. It's only because they're just not seeing it through. It's nothing more than that. Some people are more talented. Some people have more obvious gifts. But I promise you, the biggest talent you can get is never giving up and being consistent. There, you learn those, and they're they're like muscles. You have to. They're not just there. You have to. You have to exercise them and exercise them. And the stronger they get, the stronger you will get. And and that's for me. That's that's it in a nutshell. Love that. Um, here's one from Jack. So, how would you recommend hosting an open house if no one in your office has listings? Reach out. Say that one more time, Graham. How would you recommend hosting an open house if no one in your office has listings? Change oh, office. I, I, <laughs> change, change office. But, but you know, we, we get we get emails every week. And to be fair, you know, we don't give them out to other offices. But I get emails from Keller Williams and other random agents saying, "Hey, I'm available to sit an open house. If you need anybody, there are agents out there." But back to Dave's point: if nobody has an open house within your brokerage. That's a concern in itself. Maybe you should genuinely think about going to meet with other brokerages because open houses right now are just such a great way to pick up leads, such a great way to meet people. Um, and and honestly, Absolutely. it's a great way for you to learn your own skill set and, and get better. So I, if you're not sitting opens every weekend, find a way to do it. And well, by yeah. the way, everyone says, oh, um, yeah. I sit in an open house and the number of times I've seen a sign up sheet and it says looky loo, looky loo, looky loo. That kind of drives me crazy because those looky loos are neighbors. Those neighbors are future potential sellers, right? They just right. never dismiss anyone that walks through the door because even if they say, oh, we're just down the street, we're just looking to see because we saw this coming up. That's an incredible lead right there. That's a potential future seller. Get their number, stay in contact, nurture them because you will end up with their listing if and when they sell if you play the game right simple that's exactly that's 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 a great point that's something i learned from my brother and my dad just watching them do business 
around this area is just anybody that owned a home in a market that they wanted to crack into, you know, was somebody that they constantly followed up with, whether they were, you know, going to live in that home forever or not, you know? And, um, and that's something that I definitely. And the only thing I'll add to that, recognize. that is that we are selling real estate, right? Every single person, well, most people, the majority need somewhere to live. Okay. That means whether they're renting or buying or selling to move into something bigger or smaller, they are transacting. Every single person, you could walk the street, you could go to a restaurant. This is about the networking thing. You've got to building sites. Every single person lives somewhere for the most part. Okay. And I know there's a homeless crisis, so I'm being sensitive to that. But for the most part, we are in a, a, a business that is a necessity-based business. People need somewhere to live. They don't want somewhere to live. They need right. somewhere to live. If that's not enough to tell you how many people, you walk out on the street and look around, they're all potential buyers and sellers. I mean, there's no, there's no real excuse not to make it work, right? You just got to do be consistent. It's, it's there for the taking. I don't know how else to say it. I love it. I think that's a, a great spot to end on. I didn't I didn't think we were going to be able to fill up a full hour. Uh, it was a long webinar, uh, but uh, but listen, we had you know almost every single person stay through the whole time. So uh, James, David, thank you guys for your time. That was incredible, and uh, so many great takeaways from this. Really appreciate it.